All right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You know, here at the cafe, we always have a conversation center around a drink. And today I am drinking on H2O. Boom, boom, boom. That's all I'm drinking on. I'm not drinking on anything else because I had some festivities of earlier today where I already had my alcohol consumption. And I am joined in the cafe by Denise. Say hello, Denise. Hello, everyone. And what are you drinking on over there, Denise? I am drinking on ginger ale. All right. Is that regular ginger ale or sugar free? Sugar free. All right. Okay. We have no sugar, apparently. (laughs) All right. So you are on episode 65. Episode 65 is Killer Wife or Self Defense. This is episode two of season two of Accused, Guilty, or Innocent. That is a special on A and E. All right. So let's, before we jump into this particular topic we are here in the actual cafe and this is your first time here recording in this particular space how do you feel recorded in this particular space it feels professional like i'm actually in a studio or something i mean before actually it, it feels like it's in a studio from this side to the back and then it feels like i'm at a bar from this side to you okay so, are you trying to say I, my studio is mis- mixed up? No, I'm trying to say you upgraded. You did. You did a really good job. You 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 must have gotten uh, what is that loan that they gave to PPP? <laughs> <laughs> did your renovation? Ooh, ooh, the PPP that all the the Republican senators and and were forgiven on, and now all of a sudden because Biden decided he wanted to forgive people loans, not mine though. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> is the problem. All right. So, and today is also a special day. We were out celebrating our son's 18th birthday. 18th birthday. How does it feel to have an 18-year-old? I don't know. Honestly, it doesn't feel, personally, although I am old, it doesn't feel like I'm old. So, it just feels the same. Mm-hmm. All right. And I am tasked with the responsibility of teaching him how to appropriately drive a manual because that was his birthday gift, a manual vehicle. And so that's the stress that I'm living in at this particular time. All right. So let's move on to the episode. So the episode starts off in Sanders County, Montana. Mm -hmm. We are in October 8th, 2020. And on this particular episode, like all the other episodes, it start off with some kind of phone call, right? Mm-hmm. And normally, <laughs> when we hear the phone calls on on these episodes, the voice or the caller seems to be in distress. Like there are some concerns mm-hmm. or they are having some issues and in immediate need some attention. However, on this particular episode, I did not feel like this particular caller in was in distress or was in, 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 didn't care whether or not the... The folks came out. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't actually feel that. I think she, I, it kind of more of so sounded like shock, but like I killed someone. You're asking me for an address I don't know. Uh, and then the hang up. Yeah. So she calls the, the officer or the 911. They asked for the address. She said, I don't know the address, 
but I killed someone. But I killed somebody. And she hung up the phone. Or we don't know if she hung up the phone disconnected. It's so crazy, though, that they still put the recording where the 911 person was like, what the hell? They said that? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Right. So we have a individual by the name of Rachel Bellison. Mm-hmm. She is the accused in this particular case. And obviously, as we indicated, she killed her ex-husband. And so she was the one on the phone. And we kind of... We kind of then the, the the series then try and begin to like, I guess move to the attorney, right, and her attorney. But but I don't want to do that. Before we do that, I do think it's important to give some context to the relationship of the two individuals involved, right? Because I felt like the episode didn't really tell us anything about the other person until the middle. Yeah, like the middle, like the episode yeah. was almost over. All right. So you want to talk a little bit about the two individuals' relationship? I forget the victim's name, honestly. Jacob. Okay. Jacob Glace is the victim. And Rachel. Rachel was 15 years old when she met Jacob. He was 22, 23. They actually met in Washington. They used to live in Washington. So that's where they met. Uh, she- okay, wait. Mm-hmm. We'll dime out. Why, why you make it seem like that's just a normal situation? No, no, no. She's 15 and he's 22 or 23. But go yes, ahead. Yes. <laughs> so they met and she was at the bus stop. At the bus stop, waiting on that yellow bus to go to school. But go ahead. And he must have approached her. They started a conversation. And when she would turn 16, she had her son, her first son with him, which is his name is Orion. And then, so when she had the first son is when the, the domestic violence started. He he was abusive towards her. The baby was born. He stopped abusing her. And then she got pregnant with the second child, which is Isaac. And the abuse started again. And, and, and But it escalated according to her. Yes. Because I, I believe the first time with Orion, it was physical abuse. And then when the second one was born sexual abuse started as well allegedly right because like you mentioned jacob is not here to give us his side of the story but yeah at least the episode didn't indicate that there were any kind of charges right against him by rachel at this particular time so we it it is not like it was something that was adjudicated or she filed charges or at least they don't make that clear right so that's the only reason we were saying allegedly but anyhow Mm -hmm. so yeah go ahead so she stayed with him for five years, but it got to the point where she he isolated her from family, friends, and it got to the point where she also felt like it was driving her to, to the verge of trying to commit suicide. So eventually she left him in 2004 and she moved to Montana. And then six years later, he followed and moved to Montana as well. So was it, did they make any kind of indication as to why he followed her to Montana? No, they didn't. They they just basically said in 04, she moved with the two kids to Montana and he followed six years later. All right. That's it. All right. So that's kind of the, the backstory between the, the, the two of these individuals. So you have two individuals who have, I guess it's fair to say a volatile relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that she made it very clear that she did not care for him as an individual, um, at least through the episode. Yeah. And would that be a fair assessment? It would. I mean, and I, I can't blame her. You know, she 
she went through the abuse that she went through and going through all of that, finally being able to find peace and then having the situation happen again, I can't blame her for, you know, not having any emotions towards this person. All right. So then once the, the 911 call blues at the, the opening of the, the episode, then we pan to the lawyer and the right. defense lawyer. And this defense lawyer is the name of Lance Jasper. Mm -hmm. And he takes this case pro bono, yep. right? And so for those of you who don't know what that means, it basically means that a lawyer decides to represent the individ individual for free. Typically, that means that the individual would not be responsible for any expenses. So that would include any kind of background work that the attorney needs to do if they, you know, do a private investigator or anything like that. It is the attorney who is essentially coming out of pocket with the expenses. Eating the, the expenses on that. Now, most state bars promote and suggest very strongly that lawyers participate in pro bono. For instance, one of the bars that I am admitted to, it is recommended that you do about 50 hours per year mm, okay. of free legal services. How many have you done so far? I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I can make, I can find you <laughs> stuff for 50 hours. I, I have already participated in pro bono hours. Thank you. And I am every year, make sure you, you put aside at least 20 hours. Nah, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, this particular attorney, Lance Jasper took this particular case pro bono. And what he said is he felt some kind of kindred spirit with this particular individual because she is a parent and he's a parent. And what he said was that no one should feel that they should have no no ability to use self-defense when one is sexually assaulted, attacked, or potentially raped, right? right? So anyhow, we don't really hear much about what transpired between Rachel and her ex-husband, Jacob. Jacob. Right? Glass. We, we don't hear from her necessarily right. about the events. We hear it from the... <laughs> the lawyer so you want to kind of tell us what happened in that situation yeah so so what led to the events yeah okay so it seems that jacob is having some issues with one of the kids they don't specifically say which <laughs> this cat said you're about to pay me some fucking attention the hell is wrong with you all right, so you kind of want to, we, we don't hear that much from Rachel about the events. And by the way, we are joined in the studio by one of my animals. This is Mr. Fats, um, my cat. He is refusing to stay outside and decided that he actually wanted to be here. But anyhow, so we don't hear that much from Rachel in regards to the situation. We hear it from the attorney. So mm -hmm. you kind of want to tell us what transpired between Jacob and Rachel. Yes. Um, so it seems that Jacob must have been having some problems with one of the kids. They don't mention which kid, but if we were to assume based on the interview that they do with Isaac, it may have been Isaac because he felt strongly. He had some, some strong feelings towards his father. Well, I think you've been nice by strong feelings. I, 
It seemed like he hated the man. Yeah. I mean, he basically said he was screaming when he was interviewing about. You could tell the emotion. It was like the emotion that he was experiencing. Like, So do you think that was true or you think it was camera no, ready? No, I think it was true. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had no opinion one way or the other. I just knew that whatever the situation was, it appeared as if he really despised his yeah. father. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. So Jacob wanted to talk with Rachel, you know, about the situation, but they didn't want to talk in front of strangers because Jacob lived in a house with a person, like a landlady, and he didn't want no one to, (laughs) the landlady. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Because the whole story, I mean, I just didn't, I don't understand that concept. Like... Well, today when I, because I, I'm already on season three, so I've been going back to season two just for the sake of doing the episodes. But today watching the episode, they do say that they didn't want to speak in front of strangers. And so that's what, that's why they chose the place they chose to go speak at. Right. But okay. We also, this is his landlady, right? I would assume he has his own room. Or right. they could be on the porch. Or they could have walked outside of the porch. I mean, down the little pathway. But you have to remember, they're about to talk about a situation he's having with his son. So it could have been that they're already anticipating that emotions are going to be high. Either she's going to try to defend the child. He's going to strongly say how it is that you know he's feeling towards the child. So emotions are already going to be high. So regardless if he has his room, they may not want to talk in the room because they may, you know, voices may raise and whatnot. They don't want to do it outside because what if they call the cops on them? You know, I, in, in a way, I can kind of understand why they would want to meet somewhere else. Okay, but uh, I, I, I guess I get that. But if I was in the jury and I heard that, it would be less likely that I would believe that it was self-defense because right. they had this tortured history the with history. each other. The history, And so why would why would you, knowing that there's going to be emotions about it, knowing that one of the children that you're speaking about really can care less about the father, you already know that it's going to be a heated situation. What, what else, why else are you going there? Rachel did say though that she, when he moved to Montana, he would come around for the kids, you know, school activities and whatnot. And she kept a cordial relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that she necessarily felt like she was going to be in danger if for the time that they, you know, they had been in Montana, both of them, they kept a cordial relationship. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I get it, but it still just sounds... I, and. And it sounds fishy to me. And I think also one of the other lawyers in the defense law firm also had the same question, right? To think Mm -hmm. about if this goes to trial, you need to think about that perspective. But sorry, we kind of stopped talking about what happened between them. So they decided, what I heard you say is that they wanted to speak in private. They had no privacy because he rented a spot from a landlady right and i'm assuming the landlady was nosy or something but anyway we We don't don't know know. one way or the other Mm -hmm. and what do they decide to do is to get the privacy we don't know but i'm gonna tell you something if i'm the landlady (laughs) you trying to hear what's going on yes especially if you're raising your voices okay but to me 
I guess I would care if you listen it or not. I do. I'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, okay. You know, I may not have my ear right there to the door, but I'll be curious if y'all raising your voices and stuff. So I can, in a way, I can understand. Right. So they picked this spot. Is it called Paradise? Paradise. Paradise? I, well, he lives in Paradise or something. Okay. So, But they rode about a mile or two from where he mm -hmm. lived. To a very, how would we describe this area? A very weird spot. No isolated lights. No, spot. Very isolated. Very isolated. No, no lights. No nothing. nothing. Right. It's pure darkness like out there. Like that, I, I do look at her like, Rachel, why? You know, like, let's go to a McDonald's and maybe stay in the parking lot. Or let's choose another place. But that place, it was very isolated. Yeah. Now, to her credit, this is where I will maybe back that up a little bit. So when I stayed in New Mexico... Sometimes there were areas where you would go to congregate that was kind of, you know, isolated in the dark, didn't have lights. So we are talking about Montana, mm -hmm. right? I've never been to Montana. I have no reason to want to go to Montana, but it just gave me the vibes of very country, rural, in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this was not atypical for individuals to meet in isolated or maybe it is a, a typical place for people to meet and right. and talk and you know yeah so so they go to this little area mm -hmm. and then what happened and so we cannot forget to actually mention she had just got a new vehicle yes so not necessarily that they were going to test drive it but it was an opportunity to ride the new car. So they go in her vehicle. Okay, but can we stop there? Yes. <laughs> because this is about self-defense, right? Mm -hmm. And see, that was another piece of the story that just didn't make sense to me. Okay. You're going in her car? No. Oh. Because the thought, what we heard from the lawyer mm -hmm. was that the decedent, Jacob says, oh, you have a new, new car, let's test drive it. Now, right. but then we heard previously that the impetus of going away from that area was because they needed privacy. So mm -hmm. to me, those are two different things. Okay. It made it appear initially, oh, we need to move to this area because we don't want random people to hear us. Right. right. But then the way that the lawyer kind of made it appear, at least the way I saw it in looking at the episode was that the reason they left was because Jacob was like, oh, let's go for a test ride. Those are two different things, right? And so it seemed to be kind of competing to me. Gotcha. I didn't see it that way. Yeah. I saw it more as a, we want to talk with no one around, but by the way, let's take your car because you just got this car. And we don't know whether or not he have a car. Is that what you're trying to say? Not necessarily, but let's take your car because your car is new so I can see how it drives. I didn't see it as them trying to put two different stories. It was more of a, we want to get away because we don't want nobody to listen to us. But by the way, you just got a new car, so let's use your car. Let's go in your car. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that it was two different stories. It if, just didn't make sense to you? Right. So if I let me just put this... If I was to prosecute it, right. what I would say, what I would argue is, is that there was intent for harm. And the reason okay. there was intent for harm is because we're given two two different reasons why they even left that spot in the first place, right? right? Because 
if the if the landlord is in the house, they as I stated, they could have talked at the end of the driveway, right? Unless the landlord has some kind of telephonic kind of surveillance equipment where she's listening from the inside to where they are in in at the end of the driveway. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what what why? Why? Right. I hate that you just did this to me because one of the things that the lawyer said was that whatever his name is, Lance, I can't remember. Jasper. One of the things he said is Rachel is very lucky that she had her gun with right. her. And that gun was in the car. Right. So now it makes me wonder, <laughs> did you take your car because you had intentions in killing right. him? <laughs> and you, you know what I mean? Like, so now you've put doubt in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. So so the story is that they needed some some privacy. He, the, Jacob says, oh, my God, you got a new car. Let's take it for a test ride. She says yes, even though she really hates him and don't really want to be with around right, him. But remember, she's keeping it cordial because of the kids. Yeah, and, okay. You know, it is a situation about the kids. So yes. she does want them to have a relationship with their father. Yes. Okay. Got it. So they get to the place and she opens, you know, the hatch in the back and she sits there smoking and they're talking. But he's apparently, you know, like walking up and down where the area she's at. And then I can't remember how it is that he approaches her. I know that in the conversation they're having, he's complaining about his life. You know, I can't remember what they said, if it was that things weren't working out for him or something like that. Honestly, I can't remember. But he was talking about his life and and how things may have been different if they would have stayed married and whatnot. Reminiscing about the past. About the past, mm -hmm. yeah. And so at one point, he approaches her, like if he was about to kiss her, and she pushes him. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, 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 this is not going to happen. But she sees that his eyes, like the glance in his eyes changes, and she recognizes that from when he would physically and sexually abuse her. Mm -hmm. So I think they have another scuffle while they're still there. Mm -hmm. And then she turns to go towards the driver's side of the car mm -hmm. and he approaches her and reaches out to her, but he reaches through the pants, through the back of her pants. But in before all of us, apparently when he tried to kiss her, he must have tried to open her pants. And so her button is open. So when she's going to the car and he reaches for her, her pants rip. Mm -hmm. But she gets, she has enough time to get to the, you know, the area between the seat and the console the con yeah. where she has her gun to reach out for her gun. And then she turns around and as he's approaching her, she closes her eyes, her eyes and shoots. But she shoots five times. Yeah, she shoots multiple times. Yeah. And one of the, the sticking points in this particular case, at least from the prosecution or the officers who investigated, was that at least one of those shots was to the back of the head. Mm -hmm. And so the officers... Execution style. Yeah, the officers used the term execution style with this particular case, which created kind of the the red herring, mm -hmm. I, if, if, if you say, in this particular case, in the hang-up. So ultimately, she is charged with deliberate homicide, deliberate homicide in Montana. It counts with a life um, sentence if you are found guilty of it. And it's ba basically purposely or knowingly causing the death of another human being, right, mm -hmm. is what they charged her with. And some of the things that we've already talked about, the what, what, what was seen as some 
discrepancies in the storyline mm-hmm. that we talked about is what some of the things that the prosecution brought up as to why they felt that this was deliberate homicide. Right. Because right. now as, as part of the jury, because you know I always try to put myself as part of the jury, <laughs> the defense needs to clarify this doubt that I now have mm-hmm. with her wanting to take this vehicle, but also keeping that gun in there and him saying, how lucky she was that she had that gun. But th- he cleared that up, I, I think, because w- when the when his partner asked about that very issue, why did she have the gun? No, he cleared why she had the gun. He hasn't cleared my doubts. My doubts now are, why take that vehicle? So were her intentions really to kill this man? But that was because her only car. Knew, yeah, but they could have taken his. Right, that's what I... But so I when I brought saying, that up, you were now like, you nah. put that doubt in my head. So now I want to know why was that car taken? <laughs> because now that we know she carried that gun with her, was that really her intention? Well, because the reason they took that car is because it was new, according to you. Yes, but I just said you put doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed the defense now to come and clear that up. <laughs> All right. So in this particular case, we we have evidence, right? But there's truly no evidence of what happened that particular night. Right. So there are photographs taken, but the photographs are taken from days later, right? Right. And it's not even clear who took the photographs, but she it did. appears that it came from her. Yes. Right. And so she had some some marks some marks on there, her. which to me looks superficial, right? But okay, and 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 that's kind of what the prosecution argued. That they were superficial markings and they were markings that she could have Done very herself. well did herself, right? Right. But we also, you know, there were days that passed. So I just want to not make it seem like I don't believe her. But, I, just, you know, I'm looking at this episode and part of me is just looking at it from trying to look at it from different ways, right? Yeah. But part of that could have been that she healed during those particular days. And so... It may have been worse the initial day. Right. But since a couple of days has passed, they're not as prevalent any longer. Right. Right. Now, which side do you believe? You know. Looking at the pictures. Without knowing about the reenactment. You mean the the production? That was a production. But go ahead. We'll talk about Because if I'm just looking at the pictures, I would have believed something happened. Maybe not to the point of having to use the gun, but at some point she had to take this man away from her, right? Because mm-hmm. she, she's, she has the marks. Mm-hmm. But if I go now based on the reenactment that they did, they don't mention him necessarily going towards her neck area. And that's where the pictures were. I mean, he tried to kiss her, but kissing you... I mean, I don't know why I'm using my body. (laughs) Kissing you is like this. It's not necessarily like this, you know? Right. We don't hear that. (laughs) I know. Now now that we keep talking about it. I know. But I mean, but also part of my struggle with it is that she, as a witness, she was not very emotional when she was telling the story. Yeah, she had no emotions. Right. And part of that, that Stuart aspect could have been. Um, because of the, the the torture history that they had, yeah. right? Yeah, she the was, trauma. The trauma. She was fed up with being abused and sexually mm-hmm. assaulted when they were together. So the the concept of being emotional about the situation seems to be non-existent because of yeah. that, right? Yeah. But 
when she told the story about that incident, she didn't say like he grabbed my neck, no. right? So those key like words or those even when she was doing the reenactment, she didn't go to her body at right? all. And now that we're talking about it, it's like wait. Because the pictures were more of her neck area, almost like the back of her ear. Right. And that wasn't mentioned at all during the reenactment. It was more of him trying to kiss her, him trying to come towards her. Right. But then, you know, when she runs away from him, grabbing her through the pants, and then that's it. Right. And so we keep talking about the reenactment. So let's just go there. So there was a reenactment that they, they dated of the crime scene and this is the defense strategy because part of the defense strategy is that the officers didn't do what they were supposed to do right right? and because they didn't do what they were supposed to do to investigate the crime which means that we have less evidence from the actual event Mm -hmm. right then it's our job to recreate that so we could then tell the story to the jury right Mm -hmm. so they recreated this but when i tell you like this was this was like this was like a movie like a movie they had like 18 actors and actors stuck men they, a firearm expert. firearm expert they had multiple people there doing this whole reenactment and so rachel was there and she would add in right sort of but i would just argue in the sense of looking at that I don't think she really added anything of substance about what happened, really. But they were going based on the report. So the report must have had everything. And she just added certain little facts just to make sure the person was in the right place that she was at. Mm -hmm. And that the person that was playing Jacob was in the place where Jacob really was when it happened. But other than that, they were going based on the report. Right. Okay. So so they do this entire reenactment. Mm -hmm. And when she, one thing that she does do during this reenactment is that she shows them how she held the gun and shot. Yes. Okay. And what was your impression of that? The minute I saw her do the, you know, the way she stood and, and held that gun, I was like, oh, she's an expert. <laughs> she knows how to she's handle that She's a marksman. Gun. Yes. <laughs> right. And so that also is mm-hmm. part of the, the, the issue I have with this particular self-defense aspect of it, right, is it's not like she made it appear as if she didn't know what she was doing, no. right? She was shooting. And then, so the question becomes, did she shoot him execution stop, right? Because once, once a person is no longer a threat to you, then self-defense is in and of itself removed from the situation, right? right? And so what I gather from looking at that reenactment was that after she shot the first one or two, maybe three times, right? <laughs> then we got another, we got to get past, first of all, you got to get past the first shot because I think he was mm-hmm. hit five times. Yes. Right? There yeah, was no missing. Body. No, right. there was no missing. There was they no missing, him. right? Yep. Now, she didn't say that he, again, because this is just what we saw in the in the reenactment, ep- reenactment in the episode, we didn't hear anything about, oh, when I shot him the first time, he kept coming. Like, you know, some people are like strung up on drugs or so yeah. hyper sensitive yeah, so in the moment, in the moment that yeah. they're still moving. We don't hear that. Right. So then you get shot the second time. OK, what happened? Did he was he still coming? Then he gets shot a third time. Was he still coming? And then a fourth time. Was he still coming? And then the fifth time, apparently he's dead. So the way that I looked at it is, is that there were some initial shots. Maybe I could see, you know, one, two, boom, boom, three, four, five. I'm questioning it. 
And then there been a shot to the head and we don't know when. And I think the reenactment tried to explain how he got shot in right. the back of the head, which is how, according to them. So one thing to note, though, before we say that is the fact that we cannot forget that they are drilling into us that she closed her eyes. So she grabbed, she went through, you know, the driver's side, she grabbed the gun. And when she turned around to shoot at him, she closed her eyes. So they're trying to make it seem like she didn't necessarily know if he got hit the first, the second or the third, which is why she continues shooting. Mm -hmm. But they do, though, make it in the reenactment where one, two, and then by the third bullet, he turns around because now he's feeling that he's been hit. Mm -hmm. So around the third bullet, he turns around to try to walk away which from is all, her. Which is, uh, okay, and which is all, A, let me, uh, not that mm -hmm. I'm cutting you off, but this, this still goes to my point. And just remember, I am not Rachel. I know. I'm just telling you the story. <laughs> but this really goes to my point, right? Yeah. I didn't think they did a good job with that reenactment yeah. with that because they did not make it seem as if the bullets, the trajectory of the bullets caused him to boom, right? Right. Because it's like, pow, and then I'm just turning my body. Right. They make it seem like he turned on his own yes. will. Yes. And so at that particular point, he's no longer a threat. He's getting away from you because now you have more But her power. eyes are closed. So she can't see that he's really no longer a threat. Okay, but how do they know that then? Because she can't tell him because her eyes are closed. How do they know he turned around? This is what they are. This is what they are. This is assuming. their theory. This right. Is their this theory. Is perfect word right there. Mm -hmm. This is their theory as to why that shot was in the back. Mm -hmm. So that's their theory. Mm -hmm. Because one, two, three, he starts turning around. Mm -hmm. So three and four hit him as he's turning around. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth hits him there okay so if i was the prosecution okay mm -hmm. yes mr prosecutor <laughs> what i will be arguing is, is several things first of all the defense already indicated in this particular episode that she regularly carries her gun yes because she goes hiking so she, she goes hiking it because right? of that purpose and i think they also indicated that she knew how to use the gun oh yes right yeah. that no she, doubt right they 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 indicated that yes. right and part of the reason that she had the gun according to the defense was mm -hmm. because if she was hiking she needed to protect herself whether it's from an individual a bear whatever an right animal or whatnot yeah okay nine times out of ten i'm just saying if i was the prosecution what i would be arguing is that this is the individual who knew how to use a gun this is the individual who purposely carried one that's why this person had the right the the permit to carry mm -hmm. right had it in her vehicle and you can tell even if they would have showed that reenactment you can tell by her stance that she knows that she has a gun she knows what this gun is about to do mm -hmm. and she knows where to shoot this particular gun right Agreed. so the concept of her having her eyes closed and i'm so scared i didn't buy it i'm just sorry i did not right yeah. and it, it's five shots right and it's like there's a shot to the back of the head i still don't get that like i can understand you're trying to say that he turned and then maybe his body fell a certain way and it just happened to hit in the back of her head but honestly i think what happened was is that she shot him right and maybe there was a heat of the moment and i think she finished him off purposely that's just the way i look at it right yeah <laughs> i mean i it, it just it oh yeah yeah this, this episode was hard for me because a there is domestic violence and mm -hmm. not just domestic violence but the allegations are kind of horrible sexual assault no one should be subjected you know attacked it. and subjected yeah. to that no matter if they're in a relationship or not 
And secondly, you have children that's involved. One of them hates the father, right? And then you have a, an individual who leaves a, an entire state to create their own life. And then this person follows them, right? But then we do have a history where apparently for years there was no issues. Right. So why all of a sudden did he become aggressive at this particular instance? Which, which is why, and I can't say that he didn't, but these are things that I think could lead trails of doubt yeah. in a juror's head. If, if, if those, you know, if it's argued appropriately, you know, at, at the trial, but go ahead. Sorry. I don't want to assume, you know, because Jacob is not here to, to really give his side of the story, but I could see why he may have gotten emotional. You know, this is a man that has those tendencies, right. To physically and sexually abuse because Towards the end of the story, an ex-girlfriend comes, you know, forward and also claims that he he sexually abused her, physically abused her in front of her kids, right. pull out a gun and whatnot. But I could see him getting emotional because remember, they're in a place isolated, right? So he may have thought, hey, this is my chance to probably get a feel or, or let me try to kiss her or let me see. He's already emotional with the fact that his life is not going the way he wanted it to be. Right. You know, he married her. The marriage didn't work. Why didn't it work? But she's because married now. He knew that. She's married now. You know, so emotions were high that day. That's why he got emotional. Are that you saying the that's the truth or are you saying? This is me assuming because that's your question. You know, the, the doubts as to, but all these years, why now? this is happening you know why why right. emotions you, you sometimes we can't control our emotions okay so assuming for the sake of argument all that happens mm -hmm. i still can't get past this fifth shot to the head the, 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 and it's not to the front of the head it's the back and it's not to the eyes. side of the head it's to the back of the head and it's perfect apparently perfect. because execution style that means that it was a perfect shot yeah but I mean, she closed her eyes, so unfortunately, she cannot answer that question. She can't answer that question. She can't. She closed her eyes. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, all right. So let's also talk about what the defense argued in regards to the legitimacy or illegitimacy of the police mm -hmm. investigation. And and this is the only thing that really saved them because I think that had this not happened, the prosecution had a really good case. Yeah, so I I, I do think that's 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 accurate. So <clears throat> what what is the deficiency in the investigation? So remember that she claimed that I mean we, we failed to say that eventually they found where they were. And, you know, when the police came and whatnot and she spoke to them, she told them that he attempted to rape her. So when, you know, when the sheriffs got there, they failed in taking her to this place. I can't remember what's the name of safe something. What was the name of the place? Like safe task or task or something. Something. But they failed to take her, take her there which for is, further testing. Which, which is in Montana. Mm -hmm. Whenever there's allegations of rape or sexual assault, this <clears throat> you take them to this particular location because these are the experts who can gather the proper right. evidence. And they didn't do that. No, at all. Mm -hmm. Because allegedly, they didn't believe her. And, well, did they actually... That's the story that the defense gave that they didn't believe him. The police didn't say they didn't believe yes, him. Yes, he did. He, the the he, cop said... He said... 
that there was no sexual assault. And and when and he, he said, said allegedly no, because when when the when the lawyer asked him why didn't you, he said I just follow orders. And so when he asked again, but who gave you those orders? He said, I didn't believe her, so I didn't I didn't take her. No, that's not what he said. He yes. didn't say I didn't believe we were her. About to play. He, he didn't say in those words. Okay, that. you now you you add extra stuff in there. He did not say that. He said I made the decision not to take her. He didn't believe her. And and he used the term allegedly because in the episode, remember there was this expert. Well, allegedly Jamie, expert, yeah. but she was a an ex-officer or investigator. She's the one that says he didn't believe her. He didn't believe her because yeah. he used the term allegedly, right? And We knew he didn't believe her. Just by looking at his face, you could tell that he didn't believe her. I think that, I do think that his body language definitely gave off he didn't believe her. Now, I think- Like this was a waste of my time. Right, right. right. Now, <laughs> granted, now here's here's where I am going to call out our own stereotypes on how we deal with victims, right? Mm -hmm. Initially, when I saw the episode, I found it difficult to believe everything that she was saying. But as I went back and looked at it again, I challenged myself to look at it differently, mm -hmm. right? Because we failed to realize that, first of all, a, every individual does not deal with trauma the same way. Every yep. individual does not deal with violence the same way, right? right. And there's also this history between these two mm -hmm. where her, she may be numb to anything dealing with anything related to the trauma that this person caused me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to check myself in that regard. And I think maybe the officers failed to do that themselves in this, in this instance. Right. Right. Even if they didn't believe her, fine, but let the evidence show that you should have taken her to this little task force, wherever, and let them do whatever evidence that they normally do because they're the experts in collecting that particular evidence. And if you felt that there was an execution style shooting, because they said this multiple times to officers, mm -hmm. right? Then you investigate it accordingly. And then you make your determination and your recommendation to the prosecutor based upon the evidence, not based upon your own perspective of, I didn't believe the person, right? Agree. Yeah. So that's kind of where I think the prosecution's case fell from under them, right? Because, yes, we do have the evidence about the the other girlfriend, which I don't think right. would have came into evidence because I would have fought like hell not to let that in. Because, you know, that's just improper character evidence. She charged them, but I don't think he was convicted of anything. Right. So we don't know if it was a felony or any kind of charge that could have automatically come in. Now, in Montana, I don't practice in Montana. So maybe there are some quirks about character evidence because not every state will follow the federal rules, which is what I... I'm examining the case from, right, from that perspective. But anyhow, I think those two pieces were the most damning two pieces for the prosecution. You had a bad investigation mm -hmm. and you had unlikable officers who had video. First of all, I don't even know. Maybe that's something they do in Montana. I don't even know why they set for a video interview with the lawyer of yeah the the defense, the defense. Maybe, but maybe that was part of the discovery process but it did not appear to be an investigation i mean excuse me a deposition mm -hmm. it was almost like a regular just interview investigation yeah just like an interview thing yeah so you do have them on tape and you can tell by their face that at least one of them the second one yeah that he really <laughs> and he, he's a sexual uh, uh expert 
Is it sexual assault or domestic violence? Sexual assault. Yeah. Which made that even worse because he made the determination not, not to take to. her to this unit to do the evidence. All right. So ultimately, we we have all of this going on. And so there is a surprise in the case by the prosecution. And what is that? They want to is it withdraw. Dismiss the case. Dismiss the case. But what, with what? With prejudice. I cannot say that word. Preju prejudice. <laughs> Prejudice, <laughs> that. But the other one is not with. They want it without. Without. Okay. 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 Right. So they wanted to dismiss the case without prejudice. Now here's the problem with that. Right. <laughs> they could have. Remember, prosecutions, prosecution, prosecutions, prosecutors have the discretion to bring a case or not bring a case. Right. Right. And typically, that discretion is used at the onset of whether or not I want to charge someone. Normally, when you charge someone. And you find out during the investigation or whatever, maybe during the discovery process, that maybe your evidence is not up to par. Or maybe there are some evidentiary issues that you don't think or hurdles that you don't think you're going to get over. You normally would decide not to prosecute it, right? But you don't do a, a dismissal without prejudice because then that allows you as the prosecuting arm to charge again whenever you felt like it, right? Because murder doesn't have a statute of limitations right but you know they did say that they wanted to to you know dismiss it like that because they were still waiting on forensics from where you didn't you don't remember when they said that i mean i didn't pay that i didn't yeah, pay they, that any attention that I mean, was they the had reason to... why they wanted to you know is it dismiss Yes. Dismiss it that way because they were still waiting on some forensic evidence. From when? They had this case for forever. But listen, it could have been because another thing that now as I'm sitting here, because I'm I'm not saying that that she didn't have no no rights to do what she did, right? Because I am still ninety percent on her side in that she closed her eyes and she, I ain't, she ain't closed her eyes. But, but we don't know if they're trying to go back to the who's the guy that once he dies that checks him? The forensic? The, the doctor? The for the medical examiner? The medical examiner. You know, they don't bring that into into evidence. They don't even talk about that. The med medical examiner kids say because one thing that the lawyer was saying was that he wanted to make sure that they knew the proximity of where she was and where he was, because that's how they were going to say it was self-defense. Okay. But then the medical examiner could have been able to say from how far that shot happened. I'm sorry, sir. I listen to Nancy Grace every single time. And who, she had Joe Nancy? Scott Morgan. Nancy Grace is somebody who just be screaming on the mic. She does. And okay. she gets on my nerves when she, she does that. She but I like be Joe screaming Scott on the mic Morgan. about absolutely nothing. But go ahead. Listen, um, it's not about her. She brings Joe Scott Morgan to her podcast all the mm -hmm. time. And he he's, you know, good when it comes to, to the forensic stuff. Right. But the medical examiner will only be able to give an approximation of the distance. But... The thing is, he's already examined the body. What is he waiting on to but give it? But nobody bought that in. Okay, but that's their issue. I think Maybe, the, I think know. the prosecutor, the, the prosecution, the was, prosecutors are listening to this episode. Please <laughs> let us know what was going on. What forensic evidence were you guys waiting for? Because I was like, what are they waiting on? What what are they waiting on? I don't know. 
to were see that something. What were they waiting on? That's where they, they wanted to take, dismiss They the did they not did. take her to the whatever the the place where they do the evidence. Are they? But it's not. It's not the prosecutors who didn't take her. It was the sheriff. Well, that didn't prosecution. Take her. The prosecution should have looked at the file and figured out they didn't have that. Anyway, I think it was just BS. I think they were embarrassed about the investigation of the the officers. Maybe there was. Them. Maybe there was something about this a victim of the decedent, right? right. That happened, but ultimately the fight went to court to determine whether or not the 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 charge should be dismissed with prejudice or without. Right, mm -hmm. so they go in oral argument. They they file motions, of course. Go in, they have oral argument. Both sides get up. They both both sides agree that the case needs to be dismissed. The only in issue is whether it should be dismissed with prejudice or without. Mm -hmm. Without prejudice means that the prosecution has the authority to bring it whenever, however they want. With prejudice means that the case is over. The defense decides or argues that there needs to be dismissal with prejudice because the the the, the defendant, in this case Rachel, would never have any kind of resolution. This will always be over her head. At any moment in time, she can be plucked from her household to deal with this. And she may not have the same ability to have a good, which I, I thought this was kind of shitty to say. She may not be able to have a pro bono lawyer like Lance, right? And the reason I think that's kind of shitty to say is that it's kind of given slight, at least the way I took it, to the public defenders, the folks who represent defendants who are indigent or who can't afford a, an attorney, right? It kind of yeah. makes it appear as if, as if these public defenders are incapable of doing their job. And our, our girl, our girl from the exactly, Brandis was, was yeah. Brandis was a public defender, and Brandis was coming through. Brandis yeah, was coming through play. at all, exactly. So I, I kind of took it as a slight to that, but anyhow, then. The main lawyer gets up, Lance Jasper, and he's all emotional. And that, I don't know, I didn't like the argument, little bits and pieces. And I definitely didn't like the fact that he cursed in court. I thought that it was, was almost like as if he was taking it personally. Like, right. sir, you're trying to defend her. Like, <laughs> right. Sit down somewhere. Right. And a lawyer, as a lawyer, you always want to make sure it's okay to have emotion for your client, but you also never want it to appear as if you're, you're making it as if you have personal gain for it. Right. And that's exactly how it came across. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even the judge, when he said shit, cause I think is the word he used. Yeah. Shit or damn or something. I like. think it was shit because the judge did like, you're using that word in my Now, maybe they do that in Montana, but if we were no, here in federal court. Because the way that judge looked Ooh. at him, she looked at him like, I'm going to let you pass this one, but let's not make it, you know, let's not do this again. Yeah. But ultimately, the judge ruled, and what does she rule? Dismiss with prejudice. Prejudice, yeah. <laughs> so Rachel does not have to defend against the claim of deliberate homicide. Yep. All right, so that is that episode. All right, so I thought I wasn't going to like talking about this episode, but I felt like it had so many good evidential evidentiary issues to navigate through. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that we were able to, we had kind of our positions one way or the other. Maybe my position didn't never change necessarily. <laughs> I was the only one, and it was only after you said what you said. Uh, That's the only doubt I yeah. had. Yeah, and, and, and I just want to be clear. I'm not doubting that she felt that she had to use the gun. What I'm doubting is 
is it truly self-defense at this right. point? Because, right. you know. Because that's their case, self-defense. Right. Correct. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that is episode 65. Episode 65 is, what was the name of the episode? Killer Wife. Killer Wife or, or Self-Defense, self right? Accused, guilty, or innocent. Make sure you go ahead, you look at the episode, you decide. I'm sure there are people who are out there who will not agree with anything that we said, and that's perfectly that's fine. fine. But that's the beauty of our our judicial system is that you have individuals who have different perspectives about what the evidence shows. But, you know, I like these these series because you, you can see different things mm -hmm. and you can also see how a random situation can, can turn into something bigger, right? From a from a legal perspective. And if any of the defense attorneys or the prosecutors are listening to our podcast like they did on the first season and decide <laughs> to go in and start putting comments under, again, keep in mind this is our opinion and we have a right to give our opinion. Uh, yeah. That so... was hilarious. I'm like, girl, go sit down somewhere. You got nothing else better to do. All right. So, all right. So make sure that you go ahead and check us out on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Twitch at, at Peeps Creek. We are at Peeps Creek Cafe on Facebook. We are Peeps Creek Podcast on YouTube. You can send us an email at cafe at peepscreek.com. And you can go on the website, um, peepscreek.com to look at the videos, as well as maybe you want to get a transcription along with the video is available on the website as well. But yeah, I want to thank Denise for coming in. You want to say anything to the people? It's always a pleasure. You know, Sean had me in punishment for no reason but it's always a pleasure to be here thank you for the invite Ooh, all right until next time make sure that you continue to drink listen and converse and we are going to say peace and love so lame the l is for lame <laughs> loser it is for love <laughs> bye